All right, everybody, we are back for another episode of Demand Excellence. And today I have Coach Jamie Abrams, the head football coach at Cedartown. He has been there for four years and he's gone 41 and 10. I know that he went to the state championship in 2022. I remember watching the game. He has a great football program going there. Coach, welcome to the show. And as we get started, Talk a little bit about your faith as a believer in Jesus Christ and how that impacts you as a coach. All right. I, prefer, I appreciate you having me on. Well, I think, you know, it affects every decision you make. I think I got this bracelet on, actually, and they, they gave them to us from our, from our church here in Cedartown. And it's, uh, it's kind of like a WWJD bracelet. You know, what would Jesus do? But it gives you the answer as well. And it says he would love first. And I think that was one of the things that I kind of uh, charged myself with in taking the job here was trying to leave my heart more so than anything else. And, you know, being extremely genuine, you know, I'm a defensive guy at heart and competitor and all those kind of things. But at the same time, I like to like to think that those guys know, there's a real reason why we do some of the things that we do, why it is tough and why it is demanding is, is because we do at the end of the day, love them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely hard on my personal kids, obviously, because I love them and I want to see them be successful. So that's, that's kind of how I let it drive, drive me. You know, my faith is something that I've always, you know, my mom was a, organist in in the church so every time the church doors open i was there as a little kid sunday nights and wednesday nights and sunday mornings and sunday school and it's always been that and you know she's a school teacher so pretty much you know school and church about been my whole life yeah Uh, went to k through 12 school in alabama a little small school for the first seven years that i was in in school and so, you know, we would go to go to school and then she would have stuff she was doing after school. So I would go to football practice, the high school football team would be practicing. So I've been doing what I've been doing <laughs> my whole life. I don't yeah. really know anything different. So, Coach, in 2020, you, you got to Cedartown. And, you know, I think people know Cedartown basically because that's where the running back from Georgia played, you know, mm-hmm. and he was a stud and, and that kind of put Cedar town on the map for me anyways, speaking from my perspective, but then you got there and you've been having a ton of success there. And to me kind of took the program to a whole nother level. I could be wrong, but, you know, obviously, you know, should have, could have won, I won the state championship there in 2022, but, so you came from McEacher and you get the job at Cedartown. What what are the things that you came in trying to accomplish at Cedartown to get the program where you have it right now? I mean, the, our mission statement, and, you know, I think everything starts with this, is is relentless effort on and off the field. And, you know, it's it's easy. I think our kids, if you ask them, they could, they could recite that. And I feel like that's something everybody can give. You know, efforts a choice. My efforts a choice. Their efforts a choice. So uh, that was a big thing is just is getting them to give great effort and understand that there's no. A lot of times, I think now it's almost like there's a little shame or they're a try hard or you know there's no shame in in giving great effort. You know, so what if you come up a little bit short? At least you're better than you would have been if you if you hadn't uh, 
had to aim for the stars. So I think that's the the, the big thing is is you know, I preached that from day one, and they responded. And you know, obviously, there's there's always that trial by fire, and you know, they got to know that that you're going to stick to your guns and all those kind of things too. But you know, that's that was just it. I mean, and just doing what I know, I came up around some great coaches, the the guys that I consider mentors, the guys I've been fortunate enough to work with. You know, I started out where I'm from in Alabama. I moved back. I was a graduate assistant after I got done playing in college for a year. And I moved back home uh, to get my master's and my teaching certification. I kind of figured out that high school was where I wanted to be. And so I moved back home and I started with a guy named Larry Strain. I was a community coach and I was a I, I substitute taught every day. And Coach Strain, I actually saw him this week. His daughter's a head basketball coach, but he was the at that school, he was the head football coach, athletic director, head girls basketball coach, and head boys basketball coach. And I mean, he's just a, a, a real worker and, and as humble as they come. And he, he won a state championship in girls basketball. I mean, he's won it in football at, a, at the school he's at now. I mean, he wanted a girls basketball at the school we were at when his daughters played. So, you know, coming up with him and how he how he dealt with people and, and treated people was extremely important to me. And then I worked with uh, Tim Glatton after that, who's at Kennesaw State now. He hired me at East Paulden, and then he took the job at South Paulden, and, and I went with him. And Coach Glatton is, is really, really a mentor to me. And, you know, he, he always had faith at the forefront of his programs. And I got to kind of see how he did that. I moved on. I was a head coach for a little while, and then I worked with with Roger Holmes at, at Dublin for one year. And then I worked with Franklin Stevens and, you know, coach Stevens always puts faith at the forefront of his program as well. And, and he's a worker and, and, you know, nobody's going to outwork that guy. I mean, just extreme work ethic and, and tough, tough guy and, and believes in toughness and blue collar. And that's just kind of who I am. And that's kind of, kind of what, what we try to do you know, day in and day out. And, and I think it just fit it fit with our kids here. You talked about something when you first started. So you got, you got your, you got your degrees and you can talk a little bit more about that. But then when you got your degrees, you said you worked as a substitute teacher, just trying in a lay coach, just trying to get on somewhere. I was talking with somebody yesterday as a kid that he had just graduated and like, he wants to get into coaching. And I was like, well, you ought to do anything that you can do you know, at the school, whether it be substitute teach, work, work and maintenance, whatever, if they don't have a position so that you can get at the school, improve your value. And then that's how you start your journey, because that sounds what you like, what you did. You were willing to do whatever because you knew you wanted to coach football. Right. Yeah. I mean, I worked at like I picked up trash uh, yeah. for for guy in town there. Like I just did odd jobs and, and picked up trash, worked at Tractor Supply. I remember what else all I did, but I, you know, I did all that kind of stuff and, and coach and I, w- I was just doing it for free. I was going to practice every day. I had a cousin who was like kind of like my little brother that was on the team. So I just go watch him practice every day. I wasn't trying to get in the way. Like I, I was just going to watch practice and then coach strain, you know, kind of knew my background. He, he kind of offered me that, that position offered me to help out. So you know, I took it and I didn't think I was going to get paid at all. He paid me a little bit at the end of the season, but I, you know, I did it 
really for free and was at every meeting, every practice, you know, I'd work my schedule out around it. And, you know, I think sometimes people think that you just dropped in these positions and and they, they don't realize I saw a picture one time, there's an iceberg and everybody talks about success and they say everybody just kind of sees the tip of that iceberg and nobody sees what's going on underwater. So I think, I think everybody thinks you kind of just, you, you're, you're dropped into those positions. And some people are, you know, I just, I just never been one of those guys who, who, who was dropped into those positions. So, and, but I'm, I'm grateful for, uh, for that. And, you know, those, those experiences, because I feel like they kind of helped me appreciate all the, all the other guys that, that, that I've, I've been around. And I think it also helps me <laughs> sometimes ground some guys and like, they need more and more and more. Like, look, man, I did it for, I did it for free. <laughs> yeah. Know, so, yeah. But I, I just, you know, I, I think it's something I was having a conversation with somebody, I think yesterday and they were talking about like, you know, what they were going to do or go to work. And I think, you know, everybody says it in coaching has never worked a day in their life, you know, and I kind of feel that way in a sense. Now, obviously there are hard things that you do and, you know, there's difficult decisions you got to make and all that, but at the same time, you know, you know, when when I'm done with it, I'm I don't have any other hobbies. Like I go to yeah, I go to ball games. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I don't play golf. I don't do any of that. Like you know, just we're out of school this week, and I was actually go, went to watch Coach Strain's daughter, which they were playing about an hour from here in in Alabama. They're in the state playoffs, so I go watch girls basketball. I go watch high school basketball games. It's just kind of you know what I enjoy doing, and and. And so I feel like, you know, it, yeah, it is a, it is a career, but it's not really a job. Right. Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, like, what are my hobbies? And I was like, nothing. Like, I don't, this, like you said, it's football or I coach my son's baseball team, but it's, it's got something to do with sports or I really don't want any part of it. And he just could not wrap his brain around that. I don't play golf or I don't hunt or, but you know, like us, people don't understand it's about coaches, especially as a head coach. Man, if you have any time off, you don't want to do anything, right? You know, because you're so tired and 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 exhausted. So, coach, talk about a little bit. You were at Lamar County as a head coach. I think that was your first job as a head coach. Uh, what did you learn there that for, kind of prepared you for the Cedartown job? So, Lamar was actually my second head coaching job. Okay. I, I took the job when I left Coach Glanton. In 2010, I went to Wadley, Alabama, and and I think there's 84 kids in the high school, like nine to 12. <laughs> and so I went over there for a year and and just decided I want to come back to Georgia. Uh, is it was a little bit too small, most likely, you know, for for what I was my aspirations were at the time. And so, but that that job even there with you know 36 kids, seven through 12, even the because of the situations that you have to deal with in that seat, no matter where you are, you know, there's problems everywhere. There's right. people have their own agendas everywhere. So you, you, you learn. And I felt like that, that prepared me at Lamar. And then, you know, I was put through some, some more things at Lamar that, that prepared me for here. So I think, you know, just dealing understanding all the things that you have to deal with all the hats you have to wear all the all the all the things that have nothing to do with coaching that you have to do you know you learn that when you when you finally get in that in that role just like kind of being a parent like you see a kid out acting up in a restaurant before you have kids and you don't understand it well then once you i got four of them so once you've had four of them you (laughs) you're 
you 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 don't you don't look at that person through the same lens anymore. So I think you know, obviously, when you finally get a chance to sit in that chair, you kind of look view things through a different lens. Absolutely. So, coach, you say you're a defensive guy. So I got a question for you. As a defensive guy, obviously, you study defense. You think defense. You, you got to stop all the different offenses you're going to see during the course of a year. So, what defense do you hang your hat on, and how do you adjust based upon personnel? So. Yeah, my, I cut my teeth as a defensive guy. I've kind of done it all. I've been offensive coordinator, special teams coordinator. You know, hey, when you're at a school with 84 kids, you learn how to do a lot. That's right. You learn and, every and position, that, and that's good too. You know, because you, you 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 learn guys that are at small schools. You know, sometimes there's a stigma that goes with them, but those guys, a lot of times, are great coaches because they have to do a lot more than somebody who just has their niche per se. But defensively, we we in the last few years been three four. You know, odd front three four. Just feel like in today's world, it's it's the most pliable and most adaptable to what everybody's doing offensively. When I first started coaching, I was in the four three forever, and then and then moved on to the three three, and then now the three four. So, you know, I I just feel like the the three four probably is the most adaptable to to everything that that you see week in and week out what we're doing now and I like what we do now just because you know it helps you get your numbers right and you know I just feel like for high school football and you know I guess the the five two has been popular forever the three four really is just the five two that's you know right. depending on how you how you look at it but that's what we were when I was in high school was a, a, a quote-unquote five two defense which is really the same thing so I just we've kind of I've kind of settled on that here but you, you talk about personnel you know we got here so my first year here was COVID. And yeah. uh, so you might ha- not have all your kids every Friday night. So there was a there was a span in there. We went back to the 3-3 three, three for a, a few games just because we had to adapt it to our personnel. So we kind of, you know, we kind of call it very similar to what we did in the 3-3 three, three, so we can kind of adapt to our personnel and then year in and year out we kind of go back and forth all the time like we need to go back to three 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 four so i think that's one of the things in high school football too it's not it's not so much about the scheme per se but about your personnel and and what your personnel can do it's kind of the the old adage of square square peg in a round hole you know it, it just don't fit so in high school football and in places like where I am, like you got what you got and you got to develop them. So you got to figure out what they can do and wh- where they can be successful and, and kind of design it backwards, so to speak. Absolutely. So what are some non-negotiables for you on defense? Obviously you run a three, four, you know, like for me, like we're going to like non-negotiables are we're going to line up. We're going to do our jobs. Like, I'll have I will go insane, which it does happen, but I do I can't stand DBs giving up big plays for touchdowns. I don't like being overly aggressive from the DB standpoint. You know, those are just some of my non-negotiables. I'm asking you, like, what are your non-negotiables when you start thinking defensive football? I think the the number one thing that pops in my mind is effort. I mean, yeah. that and 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 being able to run. You know, guys, I. I'll sacrifice size for guys that can run a little bit. You know, if they'll run, if they're runners and hitters and runners and strikers, you can find a place for them. So I'll say those two things. And then, you know, as you said, and and I think it's, and that's why we've kind of settled in the three fours, being able to line up 
you know, being able to get out there and get lined up. You know, sometimes I, I sit and watch people or watch you know, college football and they, they have so many different adjustments that they're not lined up and ready to go when the ball is snapped. And then the offense is just trying to move fast and all those kind of things. So, you know, being able to line up and, and just play sound football, you know, I think those are, that's the the non-negotiables for me would be would be effort and effort number one. <laughs> and then number two, probably running, being able to run. And then number three is being able to line up. Yeah, you might need to be able to line up before you can run. But some, somewhere in there, I'll say those three things. Those three things. Yeah. So, you know, Coach, I was talking with people and watching. I watched that play over and over in the Super Bowl on the fourth and one when, you know, they did the triple option. And really wasn't anything exotic. That particular play was just kind of like a it was it was a tray set to the right, and he just ran inside zone with the option to keep it or throw it to the tight end. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there like I I I know about eight to ten defensive coordinators that I, I play or have played over the years that would just eat that up every single time because they're so sound. They're like you know the mic. You know the, every everybody's got a job. Everybody's gonna do this. So it kind of blows my mind. And I, and I know I don't understand NFL football and the complexity of it all. But how can how can somebody not be responsible for Patrick Mahomes? Mm. And that that talks about man. Can you line up right? A and then do, do you know what your job is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's you know you, uh, I'm like you. I don't really know NFL scheme wise. You know, do they even? I think you, they got to, they got to start, you know, dealing with, you know, quarterbacks keeping the ball and, and option Sam. But I mean, for, for a high school coach for years, is you better be able to play option out of everything. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And and it's really no different in the RPO world. It's just, it just looks different. You know, you, you better, you better be able to to defend the, the dive and then the, the quarterback keep and then the, the perimeter throw now or, or pitch or whatever it may be. So yeah, definitely. I don't know. I think there's I think there's beauty and simplicity. And, you know, we're we're I'll say under center wing T. We base out of the wing T. We get in the gun and we do some different things offensively. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's about people knowing their jobs and, and understanding why they're doing things you know, from a, just kids. want You know, everybody says the kids want to know that now in nowadays anyway, as you know, they want to know the why why they got to do this or why they got to do that. So I think if they understand the why, then, then they've got a better chance to be right. And they, cause there's, there's always things that come up on Friday night that you could never have prepared for, you know, and, and they got, they got to go out there. It's kind of like, I'm teaching my oldest son how to drive right now. So every situation that comes up, like I'm trying to tell him, like, if this happens, you need to do this, but there's, you know, he's got to go out there one day. I'm going to turn him loose. And when he's, when he's got his, he doesn't have his learners and he's got his, license like i'm gonna turn him loose i tell the kid I, that's the example i give them all the time is you know it's like driving a car you know you you learn and you're trained and then all of a sudden you go out there eventually and make those decisions and i feel like you know there there's beauty and simplicity when it comes to that because there's, there's only so many things that that can happen or that you can do and you know maybe maybe nfl defenses don't really you know i'm sure they didn't think that that he was going to pull it and keep it and have have that have that option, but you know, you got to think that somebody should have been responsible for them at that point. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I was sitting there like, so I did the research back on it. It's not like that was just a new play. Like they had done that all year long. Like they had run oh, that yeah. one or two times all year long. And then San Francisco also had to face 
the Eagles who run the exact same thing. So it's kind of like what you and I have to experience. Well, we might not see it every week, but we're going to run into teams that run it and we know how to defend it. And our, our guys should know how to defend it. Anyways, it made me feel good. I'm like, well, yeah, I bet we could defend. I don't know if we could tackle Patrick Mahomes, but like we could, we could, everybody could do their job. Yeah, that, that's um, why I watch high school and college. I mean, uh, college football and pro football, so I can see those guys that get paid millions of dollars make the same mistakes that my guys make. And I don't feel as bad. <laughs> so, I had that yeah. conversation with somebody one time. Like, I had a parent stop me one time, and they're talking about this kid. It was a, after a middle school football game, and they're talking about his kid. They said, well, he's losing contain and he's doing this and he's doing that. And I'm like, he's been playing. That was his third football game of his life. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're expecting him to to go out there and know it all and, and figure it all out when, when the bullets are flying. That was the third football game of his life. And I just told the pair, I said, well, you know, watch, uh, watch football this weekend and you'll see a college guy do the same thing that he did and a professional guy. Like it's, it's a journey. And I think a lot of people get lost in that sometimes. And so you know, I think that everybody expects, you know, we're a microwave society now. Everybody expects this kid, is supposed just because he's a good athlete and he can run and he looks the part, he was just supposed to go out there and, and have it figured out by his third game that he's ever played in his entire life. You know, so. <laughs> Yep. People forget the 10,000 rep rule, you know, yep. like it just takes time after time after time to get it right. So, you know, I heard you talk offensively right there. You know, he's talking about wing T. Sometimes you get in the gun, stuff like that. So I always find it interesting to talk to defensive-minded coach, head coaches because you kind of dictate what offense you like to run. So, you know, why do you why do you choose that offense? Well, for us here, there's several reasons. You know, when I when I got the job here, I had several ideas about what I wanted to do. But I just walked through the the weight room one day and wrote everybody's name down and started kind of seeing where I, I saw them fit. And the more, the more I wrote down, the more evident it was that I felt like we were, we would have the most success being Wayne T because I had a background there, had a background in spread, had a background in, you know, two back eye type offense. So, and then, you know, we're a little bit different here because we've, you know, we got we finished the season last year with 62 players. Just with the demographics of our school doesn't allow us to have 100 some players in two platoons. So, you know, we got to be able to control the clock and you know try to make our guys ha- let our guys have a chance late in ball games when they're playing both ways. And so we have to kind of you know breed our guys and 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 and, and preach to them you know, that they got to be a little bit different in that regard because they're going to they're gonna be asked to do a few more things than maybe some of the people they're playing against. You know, in, in 2022, if if my memory serves me correctly, I want to say in the second round through the state championship game, we didn't see very many two-way guys. You know, I think we had six or seven guys that were playing both ways. And, you know, we try to be creative in, in how we play those guys. But, you know, we, we weren't. I told him the other day, you know, in in those situations, those guys are you're you're out there on the field. You switch from offense to defense, and they're up under the tent getting corrections and all those kind yeah. of things. So you got to you got to have a little different mindset there. But I, I just felt like here, and I didn't know it at the time when when I made that decision. But you know, you know, Cedartown has had a has a pretty steep history in football. 
And John Hill was here for 24 years. I think it was 24 years, and he won like 254 games here. So they were wing T back then. So, you know, that I, I think that might have helped a little bit because, you know, you get this you get this stigma of being wing T now and nobody wants to be it or it's not it's not pretty enough for everybody. So, you know, you know, we just do that in order to control the clock and and people don't see it as much. So, you know, it ain't like they defend it every week like they used to. And then, you know, we, we do break the wing and, and we'll get in some spread type looks and we'll, you know, we, we do a little bit of everything. I, I feel like, you know, the wing T is kind of, it's kind of been the the forefather to what's going on in, in football today. I mean, you get a lot of gap scheme, pin and pull type stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, football is football. Right. Um, don't see a lot of people, you don't see a lot of people at the collegiate level, but I mean, you, you look at what they're doing, they're running power sweep, they're running buck sweep. You know, you'll see some traps here and there. They run a lot of GT countering, which can, we, we do that out of the wing. So it's just, you know, I feel like year in and year out. It just kind of gives us a chance to, you know, be successful here and, and run some clock and, and, uh, you know, maximize our personnel here. Yeah, it's inter- interesting. You know, you talk about maximizing personnel. You know, West Point coach was triple option, you know, probably had some wing T type stuff in there as well, but he was triple option underneath center, man, which is just allows smaller offensive linemen to get up on you. And it happens so fast. And then, you know, they moved, they changed, and they went more traditional shotgun, kind of almost kind of what Malzahn was doing at Auburn, you know, 10 years ago. But they didn't see the same success. And the same thing is true for Navy. I hadn't seen the same success. But the team that didn't change and he just stayed true to who he was is Air Force. And they've seen the same success. And I think that's one thing that we can really make mistakes as a high school coach. Like, I just have to do what my kids can do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, if I want to throw the ball, but I don't have any wide receivers, but I have running backs, I probably shouldn't throw the ball. You know, and it's like true, too. Like, yeah, we want to run. I'm a 3-4 guy. We're here 3-4 here. I used to be a 3-5 guy. Want to run, you know, but I got to do whatever my personnel can do. Right. Um so I think that's smart as a coach, you know, that you made that decision, you know, not, hey, we're going to do this. Now, you walked around the weight room and checked everybody out and you're like, all right, we're going to do this. Mm. Talk about your rise right there. You know, in 2020, you go eight and three, 2021, 11 and two. And then boom, 2022, you had the really, really good year. You know, you lost by a point in the state championship game. So I know I don't like to bring that up, but for as far as I'm concerned, that's a win, you know. Talk about just the progression there. I mean, you just got better every single year. Was it because people started buying into your culture? I mean, what do you attribute that to? You know, I attribute to a, a lot of good assistant coaches and a lot of good kids. I mean, really, this past year was the first year we filled out a coaching staff. You know, huh. in, in, in 2022, I think we had seven coaches. And you know, a lot of people don't realize all those things <laughs> whenever they're yeah. watching games and nobody cares really. But, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of kids who, you know, here we don't get move-ins, we don't get transfers and this, that, and the other, like we got what we got. And those kids grew up playing with each other and they still do. They grew up on playing on the same rec teams and, and playing with one another and they just cared about each other. 
And I mean, it, it was really special. That group in 2022 was really special. And, you know, there's not much of a, a drop off with that here. We just had a smaller senior class this year. But, you know, those kids, a lot of those kids in 2022 played a good bit as sophomores. So they had played a lot of football. But I watched kids like there was a kid named Zach Tillery. I'll, I'll say his name on here. I hope he won't, don't mind. But like when I first got to Cedartown, like I'm looking at him, our two guards, you know, Grant Dempsey was the other one. And I'm looking at both those kids and I'm looking at them thinking that they're playing offensive line. I'm like, there's no way in the world these kids are ever going to. But they showed up. Both their parents were, were teachers. And, you know, so they're going to be there every day. And and they show up. You know, Zach came to track practice every day and never ran track. Like he's just going to try to make himself faster and stronger. And they stayed in the program and, and just worked themselves into being good high school football players. And they were, there, you know, the guards are very important in the wing team. They're just some tough blue-collar kids. And the other special thing was their dads played really on the same team together here. So, you know, they all grew up playing playing together. But it's kids like that. It's rewarding, too. And that's the, the fun thing about high school is you see kids that just show – and they weren't the only ones. That, that, that whole class, like, we – we we had a great jump that summer in the weight room and a lot of guys made some big time strides and i was just look i looked at it when we tested at the end i was like why you know why did we why did we have as much success in the weight room as we had that summer and then so i went back and looked at attendance and they were all there you know they were there every single day and, you know, I think consistency is, is one of the things that people, people you know, take for granted sometimes, just be, being consistent. You know, you talk about Nick Chubb, you know, that the, our strength guys is the reason Nick comes back and, and works out with, with us when he's home. And that's the number one thing he talks about Nick was just his consistency. You, you know what you're going to get day in and day out. And, and those kids, that, that team and that group of kids – just continuously showed up. It didn't matter what I asked them to do. They were there. And you know, I felt like they just had a, a collective mission that they were on. And, and you know, we were able to – we, we didn't quite capitalize 100% on it, but, you know, they, they got some good stories to tell for the rest of their lives, and, and hopefully their lives were impacted being part of the program during that time to where – you know, they'll be better husbands and fathers and, and, and brothers and sons and all those kind of things. And at the end of the day, you know, <clears throat> I think, I do think coaching is a calling. I think that, that we have a great platform that we've been put on. You talk about faith and all those kind of things. We have a, we have an unbelievable platform and we got guys looking at us every day and those kids and, and you know, we're, we're going to have to answer for them one day. Uh, yep. as coaches and i tell the kids all the time like you're gonna be a human being a lot longer than you're gonna be a football player now you know we're gonna compete and do all those kind of things but if 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 we miss the boat on, on that that spiritual aspect and the character aspect then then we missed a great opportunity as as high school football coaches so coach what are you guys doing right now football season 2024 it's coming in august for us all what are you guys doing right now in the off season, you know, to prepare for the football season? They we're just, hey, we lift every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our, 
saying coach Mike Worthington is, is the guy who runs our weight room and he does an unbelievable job and you know we're out of school but he had he had the guys up there lifting this morning you know they go to track practice he coaches track so he does an unbelievable job in the weight room and, and track wise so they're out lifting and running and we, that is one thing. We don't have large numbers, but we have a large number and you know, very high percentage of kids who, who, you know, they're all doing something in the spring. Because it's the same, same kids that are playing football, the same kids that are playing baseball, that are running track, that are, that are playing soccer. We got them in every spring sport: golf, tennis, you know. And that's kind of, kind of what they're doing. We, we go out, you know, five days a week, and we lift. And Coach Worthington would probably keep them in there. All, all seven periods, if he could, we were on seven period day, and he would keep them in there, and they would warm up for about the first three periods, and they would lift for two or three, and then they'd go out and run. Like he, he could do it all day long, you know. Yeah. But I mean, that's it. I I felt like when I got here, you know, I just evaluated the the state of the program, and the one thing that I felt was really good here was the was the weight room, and so I didn't. I I had experience running the weight room, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go in there and mess with that. I had plenty of other things that I that needed my attention. So, you know, they were getting stronger and faster, and that's what everybody wants. And so that's what we. That's what our emphasis is. Really, really year round, you know, is is getting stronger and faster, and not not maintaining and kind of push that envelope to, to get stronger and faster. So, you know, those first first couple months here, of the off season, like that's the that's the number one emphasis is just getting in there and trying to build some bulk and and build strength and and get faster so we you know we kind of test them on some things every day you know speed wise or jumping wise or you know some kind of you know it turns it into a competition and i think that's what drives everybody coach as we end i always like to ask this question like what are what are two things kind of like creeds that you live by obviously like for me like demand excellence is one like demand excellence take ownership what are two things that that you live by that have helped you be successful day in and day out? Oh, well, the first one, and we put this one up in our weight room, and you know, it, everything's stolen. We're all football coaches; everything's stolen. But George Washington Carver said, "When you do common things in an uncommon way, you'll command the attention of the world." Yeah, and you know that, that again goes back to that consistency that that you know. It, it requires success requires consistency, I believe. And I don't know, maybe there's a ton of them. I'm a big quote guy. I was messing with my kids the other day and, and I was talking to them and I just told them, I said, you know, hard is hard enough. Don't make simple hard. So be able to do those little things that really well. And then, you know, hard things are going to be hard no matter what, but let's not make the easy things hard. <laughs> so amen. that was, that that one that one's a new one that I that I'm using to kind of drive. Uh, the number one one for me really though is, and I came up with this acronym. I just kind of did it as a as a alignment thing in my life was is mindset. You know, I think everybody everybody is controls their their thoughts and their their mindset, and it comes from Romans. I was reading Romans eight on my way back from a seven oh seven one time and. and and that word just kept popping up and kept popping up. You know, it talks about the mindset of a believer. And so, you know, I just kind of came up with this mindset as an acronym. You know, I talked about 
I talk about, I'll talk to the kids about it all the time, you know, so everything stands for something. So the, the M stands for your motivation. And, you know, one of the things I, I tell them and I stole it from Dabo Swinney is, is, you know, you do, do what you can while you can. So you don't wish you would have when you could, could have, you know, and then moments, you know, taking advantage of those moments that you have. And then, you know, I kind of give the, the antithesis of all these things too. And, you know, you can't do the minimum, you know, and you can't do it if you're missing, you know, so <laughs> do, do that. And then, you know, the, the, I is really, it's a number one, but it's, and it goes back to, you know, what do you put first, you know, not putting yourself first, but putting others first, you know, serving others, you know, not being self-centered on the flip side of that, you know, about I am last, you know, basically I know people say I'm third or whatever. I just say I, I'm last, you know, that's, that's kind of like that, that whole leadership thing is, you know, the, the very top of the leadership pyramid is, is servant leadership and stands for no excuses. And then on the flip side of that, that's somebody who's never wrong. The D stands for, for discipline and details. And then the dash, it's a, it's a hyphenated word. So the dash really, you know, I've heard several people talk about it. You know, Coach Stevens used to talk about it all the time. But, you know, in our, on, our, on our tombstone, there's going to be a date and the date that you're born. And there's going to be the date that you're, you, de- you deceased. And there's going to be a dash that represents your entire life, you know, and is it going to represent something or is it just going to be a dash, you know, and then the S stands for a sense of urgency. And then on the flip side of that is being satisfied, you know, and the E stands for, for effort and, and enthusiasm and energy. And the, the opposite of that is being an energy vampire and, and the T stands for, for toughness and, and trust. So that's just kind of, kind of what I kind of use. And sometimes you get to feel sorry for yourself or this goes wrong or that goes wrong. You have to go back and say, well, hey, you tell everybody no excuses all the time. You know, you got to, you got to go pull your bootstraps up and figure it out. So that's just kind of, I use that. That's really, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what you call it, a creed or, or my kind of how I try to align my days and, and tr- my center, I guess you'd say, you try to bring yeah. days back to it and, and that, that whole thing is, you know, driven by scripture, you know, and, and, and being in Romans eight. So state that, uh, that's kind now, of coach. I came up. That's, that's really good. I'm not, I mean, you, that was the, probably the most detailed acronym I've, I've ever had somebody instruct me on. I, I was, so it's really good. So, well, Coach, man, I really appreciate it. It's been really, really fun talking to you and, and getting to know you. I always like to pray for the coach as we head out, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, no problem. Lord, we're coming for you today. I just want to praise and thank you for uh, Coach Abrams and what he's doing there at Cedartown. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to use him to be a light in the community there. And, and I just pray, Lord, that you would bless him and bless his family, bless his players, and Lord, I just pray that they will continue to work to become the very best, not just in the weight room, but like he said, on and off the field. Lord, we're so thankful for you and we love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Coach, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah, man.